Hello once again and welcome to uh, another dark episode of, of PFL. You know, people blame us. Blame uh, blame Tennessee. There's not much, uh, there's no real way to brighten up 34-3 to uh, what you could once call a rival. Now, more of a bully situation, it would it would appear. But Tennessee loses 34-3 to uh, at Florida. Didn't play particularly well on either side of the ball. Four turnovers. Uh, they forced three. You got a bright, you got a bright side there, but uh, that's quickly negated when you lose that. So, Joe, uh, we'll get to the quarterbacks later. Any any big picture thought off the top? Well, look, I mean, after this game, what are we doing? What are we doing on press row? We are we're talking bottom line and just trying to project what this team might do. I you know I, look. <laughs> You can definitely blame me, David, for thinking that this game might have been good. I blame you for that, too. Let's blame us both. Yeah, yeah, I was with you a little bit. We were both a bit sunshiny last week. Uh, I really thought they did. And honestly, I'm looking at that game. I'm looking at 7 nothing, and you get a chance to score, and you get a pass into Juwan Jennings' hands, and you know the defense forcing a turnover, giving the offense a chance. I'm looking at some pretty good run defense for a lot of the game. You know, this didn't have to end this way, but – Ultimately, quarterback play, like you said, we'll talk about that. But also, you know, defensive, I mean, I mean, the coverage and the way that Kyle Trask cut up the Vols, I think, was troubling. So the big picture thought to me is, you know, how many games will this team win? Right now I'm kind of really stuck between three and four. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I, I think ultimately the first half was confusing because there's so many big swing plays that you felt like Tennessee was a couple plays away from maybe being up 14-10, but they were a couple plays away from being down like 27 nothing at the same time. It was an odd, an odd first half. Uh, but let's start with the QBs. For weeks, I mean, pretty much since even Georgia State, I think, fans have wanted to see whoever was behind him, whether that was Brian Maurer, the true freshman, or the redshirt freshman JT Shroud from, from California. In his home state, we see... Brian Maurer today comes out in the second half. Mark Callaway today, interestingly, said that they didn't know. There wasn't a sort of announcement from the coordinators or the, or the position coaches in the locker room. It was just, we're getting ready for the huddle. Somebody slapped him on the helmet and said, you know, here we go. I don't know that, that the methodology is worth discussing. You know, these kind of things go down a million different ways. The, the outcome comes out. I don't know how much that really matters, but I did think it was interesting. Um but, you know, Pruitt defended him last week. We saw against Chattanooga the backups weren't great. They had a rough outing. Um, but, you know, but, but Jeremy Pruitt says this uh, after the game, which I, I think is definitely worth discussing. To quote, uh, well, you know, it's the thing about playing quarterback, right? I think Jarrett's got lots of ability to be a really good player, and I've said that over and over. But there's times where you got to take the bull by the horns and say, let's go. You got to make some plays. You got to have an impact on the people around you. So that's one of the things I've been talking to him about. You've been around these folks, whether it's playing sports or in a room or whatever. Somebody's got positive vibes that makes you feel good and gets excited about where you're at and what you're doing. So we need a little bit of that. So we made a few mistakes there. So we went with Brian to get Jarrett a little settled down a little bit. An impact on the people around you. Uh, that jumps out to me because as bad as, as Jarrett has played through four games this year, I think that this is always – today has been about this, and I think some of the consternation from the fans have always been about more than just the play. It's the personality. 
and the does he make everybody around him better? Does he get this team going? And you kind of feel bad for him because you can't fake that. You can't if you fake that that you see through it. It's worse than than being who you are. But you know, I, I always thought a good example was was Baker Mayfield for this. Uh, you know, I covered him at Oklahoma. So many people hated Baker Mayfield, but you know who absolutely loved him was every single guy he ever played with. Even the guys he played with at Texas Tech. You know, I remember talking to Jason Morrow. Even when every transfer, they still kind of loved him. But Oklahoma, I've never seen that kind of devotion, and he has that sort of personality. That's not to say Jarrett needs to be Baker, but that's the point, is I think more than being guilty of throwing into coverage or any of those things, I think it's not being that sort of personality. Um, so, you know, he seemed to react well to, to it. What do you make of Pruitt sort of calling him out uh, in, in that way? Well, look, I, I think that that's a really interesting point you make about Baker Mayfield, and I think the personality thing obviously becomes more of a talking point because of what Pruitt said. I think of a guy I covered. His name was Connor Cook. He was not well-liked. He was not beloved at Michigan State. The Gazans was one of the best leaders I've ever seen. Everyone loved him, you know, down to each walk-on. He, like, you know, took all the walk-ons home and, like, did their homework for him, whatever. You know, <laughs> Cook was not beloved in the Michigan State locker room, but you know what? It worked out okay because he was good because he played well. And I still think that's the bottom line with Jarrett. You know, if you're struggling like this, it's going to affect how you affect others. I mean, look, from what I've seen, I think I think Garantano has an affable enough personality. I think he, I've seen him get excited. I know everyone will point to, you know, the, the opener of 2017 when he was ticked off on the sideline and everybody made a big deal out of that with, with Quentin Dormady in the game. But I don't think I don't think it's a problem. Personality is is he like a Mayfield magnetic? No, and he never will be. But again, if he were playing better, then I think he'd probably do a better job of rallying his teammates, and they'd feel better about him. I mean, I still think that's the bottom line. Sometimes I think team chemistry is like, are you playing well and winning? Because then the chemistry is way better than the <laughs> other way around, right? Yeah, that's that seems to be how it always goes, and I, and I think it's worth bringing up too. Marquez Callaway was asked about the switch, and he said, uh, "Obviously, it hurts to be told you're not going to go out there and start." It hit him, but I also think uh, it also put him in the right mindset that if he doesn't get his head together, things are going to go this way. This way being the Brian Maurer show is about to, you know, you're about to see the opening credits. Um, interesting. Uh, again, I, I think, you know, from, from what we heard, he didn't see anything odd. You know, I think he reacted well to it. Uh, I think he probably learned some lessons from that Georgia Tech experience. But I think it goes back to the same type of thing that, that you know, so, just something has been off with him. And, you know, is it just his brain is not meshing with the, the Cheney offense? I don't know. It's been one of the weirdest things about this already weird season, and obviously it has adversely affected Tennessee football. So the question, the question that I have for Tennessee football at this point is, what do you do moving forward? There's no real good option. Jeremy Pruitt asked what the quarterback situation was, and – he didn't really answer it, and all summer, all offseason, it's been Jarrett's our quarterback. Jarrett's our quarterback. The only guy that he was really willing to anoint a starter, and then today it was, oh, there's no starters. We don't have starters. Every, every position is open for competition. So where do you feel like Tennessee goes from here? 
Well, first of all, I mean, as I wrote in my column at theathletic.com, um, and this will not be a popular opinion, but I'll say it anyway, here also, Tennessee has a better chance of winning some of these, and there, are, there aren't a lot of winnable games on, left on the schedule, but the ones that are there, they have a better chance with Garantano right now than Brian Maher, okay? I know people are going to hate that opinion, but I'll stick with it. He's a fourth-year junior. That's also, look, that's dependent on him getting out of this and playing better, of course. If you, if you are a coach and you're looking at that, you know, I got to win that game, you're going to go with the fourth-year junior who has done some good things as an SEC quarterback. Look, Maurer, I think, has a lot of ability. You saw a little bit of that against Florida. You also saw the freshman, the true freshman in him. And I just think if you go with Maurer, then you are basically saying this season is, you know, this season's a wash. I mean, this is, we're not going to get to the bowl game. And, of course, we can all sit there and say, a bowl game? How ridiculous. But if you're coaching this team, what are you saying to your team? I mean, it's that, – that's – an, an yeah, eight games left. So that's an interesting choice. You can just say, "Hey, I'm just going with the better guy." But I just don't. I don't think you can buy that right now. Mar is more equipped to win football games than Garantano. Yeah, and we saw that today. It was, you know, it's tough. I think. I think the fans that really sort of pay attention and know kind of what they're looking at and what they're talking about can see some of the questionable decisions that Mauer made. But in the same breath, he's completing a completion that's thrown on a guy that's covered that a receiver makes a great play, I think fans sometimes don't see those things. Uh, and then, you know, you throw it into triple coverage and it gets knocked down. Well, he didn't throw an interception. Versus today you have Garantano throwing this bullet that should have been caught by Juwan Jennings that ends up being an interception, and all of a sudden Garantano's a bum again. And it's just like – so that a lot of times the conversation is about quarterbacks can be complicated because I think people don't always know what they're seeing and think they do. And I think that goes back to – something that everyone knows, and Garantano's talked about this offseason, that when you're winning, the quarterback gets too much credit. When you're losing, they get too much blame. But I just, man, just a, there is no good option. I, I think that's that's the main thing is, is you know, Garantano is just so maddening um, because you have a guy that has this much experience that should be getting better, and obviously he's not. But I do agree with you. I, I think he's still better than, than Maurer at this point, even if Maurer might give you guys some more juice. The question then becomes, I think, okay, well, if you can get Maurer to play at a, at a high level, a peak level, he's in his first system at Tennessee, and he still, <laughs> still has one way of doing things at Tennessee. If you can get him playing where he's not turning the ball over, he's managing the game, and he can give you some of that juice, does that make up for the decision-making deficiencies? I think only time will tell from that. I think, obviously, I'm going to be very interested to see how the reps in practice look over the next two days. I'd love to tell you we're not going to be able to see any of that stuff. I think people put too much stock in, quote-unquote, reps and individual drills. And, and Pruitt likes to say everybody gets equal reps. But reps against the ones are more valuable than reps against the threes or scout team or whatever. They just are. So I, I think you're going to see that get shaken up this week. Uh, but just the, man, the quarterback position – you know, it's uh, there's no there's no real uh, good option there. So on that bright note, uh, we'll move to the defense. Run defense today was good. I you know 46 percent or 46 yards on I think 19 carries in the first half. They weren't allowing them to, to really get gashed, and and that was I think a little surprising at how well they defended it today. Florida obviously struggles to run the ball. They're not fantastic. 
But Tennessee got beat up by Georgia State. You know, even Chattanooga was hitting some long runs on them. And later in the game, I think the defense just got worn down. When the offense is going three and out over and over again, I don't think you can put a lot of that on the defense. I think they just were tired. Playing too many snaps. I don't think you worry about that. But then in the secondary, you know, this is what I wrote about. It's just so many guys running free. And, and when Daniel Batuli and Theo Jackson both come out and say, we saw everything they were going to do in practice this week and you can't execute it, you know, you can point to players all you want. Oh, the players aren't good enough. But if you know where things are going to go and the kinds of looks you're going to see, well, I think that is on coaching. The guys have to be in the right place. And even if, you know, if you've got guys that are in the right place and they're just not making plays, I think it's a lot easier to point to these guys just aren't good enough. But when you're pointing to guys that know what's coming and they're not in the right place, well, when it's a, when it's a mental errors, I generally think that's a little bit more on coaching. I think there is something to the fact that Tennessee still doesn't have enough talent. But at the same time, you know, there, there's a lot of coaching in there as well. Where did you sort of stand on what you saw from the secondary today? Yeah, well, I mean, look, I think that uh, there were just some alarmingly large windows. Trask, uh, you know, Pruitt talked a little bit about this after the game about basically some switch-ups going to some zone coverages at times that were going to leave guys open over the middle. Um, but I, I don't think that they were supposed to be that open. You know, there were there, there were some good plays. Theo Jackson made some good plays, created a pick, got one of his own. But overall, you know, that is, and of course Bryce Thompson returns. I, I wouldn't say that m- made a massive difference for the you know it's just that's a the back seven of this team you know I thought would be possibly really good this year and I think it's certainly better with Daniel Batuli at linebacker by the way but just like I guess everything it just hasn't been what falls fans hope for and so eventually, I think you're right. The run defense was good, and then eventually it's sort of just the whole the team was just ready to get the heck out of there. I mean, I think that's, again, we're, we're hitting on, I think, what is an indictment of the coaching staff again because you have a $3.8 million head coach who specializes in coaching defensive backs. You have a guy who was the highest-paid defensive back coach in the NFL last year, and Derek Ansley, you hire him to come coach your defensive coordinator. So you have two guys that specialize in this, and yet – you're going up against – you now have your full strength. You, you, Bryce Thompson, who has to be in court on Monday, you've put him back on the field. So you have your most talented cornerback. Granted, yes, he's probably not in game shape yet, but regardless, he's on the field. You've, you've, you've cashed in that ticket if you would like to. And you have, you know, Warren Burrell and Alante Taylor. Burrell starts, it seems now, out of necessity because he won that job as a true freshman and he's been on the field a ton. Alante Taylor – Again, looks like he's regressed. What I mean, there's what's the explanation for that besides the coaches just aren't getting it done? I mean, you have a guy who has a great year last year, and he looks like he's just not the same guy. And I don't think you can point to, oh, his confidence is shaken or or whatever. I just don't buy any of that stuff. He's just not playing well enough, and and it's just pretty much just that simple. And so I think when you have an issue like that. I mean, regardless of what the reason is, I don't know how you can't really point it back to the coaching staff. Again, when they're obviously being paid well and specialize in the position that the first time that they play a competent passing offense, Georgia State wasn't going to throw the ball around the yard. BYU wasn't going to do that. Obviously, Chattanooga wasn't going to do that. Florida is okay. 
in the passing game, playing a guy starting for the first time since a freshman in high school, and he puts 290 on you, 204 in the first half, 12 of 14, give up passes of 43, 29, 21, 19, 19, just chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. I, I, there's no other way to put it besides the coaching staff is, is not getting that done, regardless of what happened today. You know, that's one thing. The play calls are one thing, but I think development, in my mind, is almost the bigger issue. But you have two guys who, based on what we saw last year, Bryce Thompson and Alante Taylor, they look like they had All-American potential. Bryce Thompson graded out unbelievably well. Um, obviously, his situation is a little bit different. I wrote a little bit about that in my piece. Um, but Alante, it's just, it's odd. It's odd. And I'll, I'll, one of the things that, that uh, Tennessee Chattanooga's coaches noticed with Alante uh, was he was either blanketing guys or he was nowhere near them, not even in the frame. And I think, you know, uh, Joe pointed to that that probably has to do with him taking gambles, but it's it's weird. It's weird. And I just, uh, you know, the quarterback spot and corners, I don't know if you'd call those strengths for Tennessee, but you probably wouldn't call them weaknesses. But here we are in week four. I mean, they were both weaknesses today. And that is a that is a – difficult sign for for Tennessee moving forward yeah exactly and look I I think sometimes you're going to get beat deep on aggression and that happened but like you can't have that and then also have eight yards of cushion on on, you know a 10 yard out that's that's the thing that was kind of weird to see kind of confounding and yeah I mean if you're going to talk about coaching I mean look right now Jim Chaney this is there's a big spotlight on him and, and figuring out quarterback, whoever it is, getting either the freshman quickly up to speed or figuring out Garantano. And then, you know, like today, Eric Gray, and I know he fumbled, didn't have a great day, but one touch in the first half, I don't get Weird. that. For a guy who's that explosive, I just, I'm looking at this offense and I'm, I actually didn't mind the pass to run come out with some tempo thing I thought that that was I, I that made sense to me and you know if not for that personal foul penalty on the first drive you know that was starting out well and that penalty you know I think it was during the play but also it's like in today's football I'm not surprised that was called when you blast someone like that Pruitt obviously didn't like it but anyway I just the offense overall right now and it's early for Jim Cheney that's fair to say, but it has not been impressive. He's got a lot of work here to get this thing to look a lot better this season. Yeah, that's a weird balance because I think you look at you look at the micro, okay? Jennings plays has played really well. The offensive line is improved. The run game is pretty improved. Those things look better, but you score three points against Florida. So it's like when you look at the micro – there's a lot of reasons why. Oh, you got some, you got some pieces here, but it's it's three points, and and your backup quarterback gave them to you, on on a drive with two balls he got lucky on, probably maybe three, and a couple more throws that that maybe could have gone the other way. So you know, Florida's defense is is pretty good. The secondary not quite as good as the uh, that front four, especially in the pass game, but still. Uh, just a confounding situation that Tennessee finds themselves in. Uh, you know, Joe, you said you're between three and four wins. I'm probably with you. I mean, I think you look at the schedule moving forward. Alabama and Georgia, we don't even need to talk about those games. We've seen enough from Tennessee. South Carolina and Mississippi State, you know, those are games where 
they're a little bit like, uh, you know, I wouldn't say they're like Tennessee, but just you're not quite sure what you're going to get with those two teams. You might be able to beat that. You, you know, you could win that game and nobody would be that shocked. You could get blown out by 30 and nobody would be shocked either. I think besides that, if they split those, you know, you got a pretty good shot. You, you probably beat UAB. We, we thought that about Georgia State, but still, you know, that uh, if you split those games, that gets you to three. And then you got Mizzou, Kentucky. If you split those, you get to four. Mizzou looks pretty good. Are you counting Vandy out? Oh, Vandy also. Vandy also. Vandy. So if you get one out of those three, you get to four. If you can get two out of those three, you get to five. I'm not buying the two out of three. One out of three, maybe. Oh, out of three, very possible. Uh, but what – I mean, if you are this coaching staff, I mean, what, what do you kind of preach at this point? I mean, you can talk about a bowl game, but players can do math too. They've seen these teams. I, I just – man, we thought the task was hard after Georgia State and after BYU. Now, I, you know, especially in your older guys that, that you know you're probably not going to a bowl. I mean, what do you think the message has to be from the staff moving forward? Well, look, I mean, I think that you have to you have to preach the cliche that we hear from everyone, and that is we're not talking about results. We're not looking at the scoreboard. We're, we're talking about the process. We're talking about – you know, this team being as good as it can be. And every one of you, you guys, you know, want the season to be good. Some of you want to continue your careers after this. Put some good stuff on film. You know, be your best. You know, self-actualization. I mean, like, seriously, like, you've got to get into that stuff. I, there's no there's no big-picture discussion with this team right now that's going to resonate, you know. I mean, it's just – you just have to coach them hard and – and talk about just the little things and hope that somehow that leads to something better. And, and if, frankly, if you want to talk about what the coaching staff needs to do, there's talking to the team is one thing, and they also really need to take a look, hard look at themselves. You talk about self-scouting and, you know, are they being too predictable, are they using people correctly, all that stuff. I mean, they've got to really, in this time off here, look at themselves and, and improve their performance. Easier said than done, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, well, that will do it uh, from the press box at the Swamp. Uh, another uh, another dark episode of PFL. I got I, I got a lot of response from folks from the Thursday show with Andy Staples. Uh, that was just man, that was depressing. That was hard to listen. However depressing these shows are, they're not as depressing for Tennessee fans as the actual games. So. Let's keep this in mind moving forward. How about that? So, again, I'm David Oven uh, here with my co-host Joe Rexroad. Again, rate, like, subscribe, review, all that good stuff uh, on your podcast purveyor of choice. And we will see you all again next week unless you are a subscriber to The Athletic, in which we will be uh, – well, I will be uh, back with another episode uh, in the middle of this week with a new co-host – uh, Joe, you didn't do anything wrong. We just rotate every it's week. It's cool, man. I get it. <laughs> so, again, PFL, thanks, guys, for listening. And thank you uh, for tuning in to this week's show. We'll see you guys again soon. <laughs>